0: Welcome to Radio by Jack Roberts. It is our mission to bring you inspired conversations with the world's inspired minds. We host wide-ranging discussions on business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, mindset, and much more. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Trav Bell, welcome to Radio. Yeah, Jack, stoked to be on here, mate. It's been a really, really beautiful uh, Melbourne morning. Uh, We just realised we probably could have been sitting down and recording this in in person Mm. down there in uh, the lovely surf coast.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: I don't know if you guys are allowed down here yet, are you?
1: Yes, you are. At the time of this recording, you're allowed outside the the Ring of Fire or the Ring of Steel or whatever they called it, (laughs) but um, now I'm down here in Ocean Grove and... I'm currently looking out about 400 metres away from the surf, and uh, as a surfer mate, you appreciate it. it's actually going off. So, it
0: is good, a beautiful day <laughs> for it. Um, give us the uh, give us the elevator pitch. What's the 30 second or the three minute Trav Bell story? Well, the elevator
1: pitch. I'm not going to pitch anything as such. Um, I guess I can only explain what I've been doing, and that is I've been running around the world as the Bucket List Guy for the last ten years, so uh, I'm a I'm a speaker primarily as a speaker coach, you know, coaching you know executives, c level executives, founders, um, and I've, I've leveraged this whole bucket list message, which is which essentially is a positive psychology message, uh, and now we've got certified bucket list coaches in 22 countries around the world. So, um, all teaching this stuff. It's kind of like a life coaching framework, but without saying life coaching, you know, it's all positive psychology, which is, as you may or may not know, positive psychology is like the science of the psychology of happiness, how to help, you know, people experience more meaning, purpose and fulfillment and gratitude in their life.
0: Incredible. I heard, um, who was I was listening to the other day, uh, might have been David Goggins or someone like that. And he said, what we're chasing in this life is emotions. And it was a really, when I heard someone put it like that, I was like, you know what, sort of right, very simplistic. But um, at the end of the day, uh, our whole world is lived inside the, uh, inside the four walls of our head. And if things aren't going well in there, um, and I guess you don't have the right framework, it makes everything else a lot tougher. Yeah, I mean,
1: it, it, you know, you've probably heard it before, Jack is... Uh, the most expensive real estate in the world, and I know that you've got the real estate background, the most expensive real estate in the world is that seven inches between your ears. 100%. And are you investing in it? Um, A lot of people don't. So are you continually putting
0: deposits into that, into that uh, piece of real estate? One of the things I find really interesting, um, and I was having a conversation on another podcast the, the other day, um, and I was speaking to this lovely lady about reading books for the first time or or the second time, Um, and the different things that you pick up as you're going through, say you read a book the first time, you go, it's absolutely amazing, I love that, Mm. and then you go through it the second time and you take away a whole heap of different learnings. Um, I think that comes back to what you're saying about putting deposits in the bank as well, is at one point you need to deposit X and another point you need to deposit Y. Yeah. Um, Obviously you got to be putting the right
1: information through, because you know, in in whatever, wherever the gaps are in your life, whether it be relationship, wealth, business, career, family, health, whatever it is, you, you've got to be putting in, uh, you, you've got to be putting the right information, not just about investing and, and putting stupid information in there. It's got to be smart information. And that's that we live in a world of infobesity. We're all suffering from infobesity now. You don't know who the the quote unquote gurus are you don't know who's the you know who's just got a slick marketing campaign versus the real the real deal kind of mentors coaches uh, i guess experts in the areas that we need those gaps filled so it's hard to decipher in this day and age who's the real deal and who's not so getting that right information i think is um yeah look it can be costly and it can be uh can be time um you know, it takes up a lot of time. So, yeah, it, it, but but I think people need to invest more. You know, they need to I, – I, I was saying it yesterday, actually on a podcast, is the hardest thing to ask when you're growing and when you want to grow, when you want to close those gaps, especially in business, the hardest thing to ask in business is the simple phrase, can you please help me? Um,
0: because of ego, we don't we don't ask it enough. I think that it's funny every time I do a podcast, right? And obviously, you've got a, a completely fresh perspective. There's always these little elements that that tie in. I sat down with Jonathan Hallinan probably at the start of COVID nineteen who. Um, at the time, he was 116 on the AFR Rich List. I think he slid a little bit this year back to maybe 160 or something like that. But um, let's just say he's in probably one of the top top 250 business performers in the country. Mm. Um, and he and he spoke about vulnerability um, in the boardroom being one of the greatest strengths yeah. that people can um, the people can possess. Yeah. And he goes, the people that he takes with him through. Um, his business are the ones that put their hand up and say, Jonathan, I don't understand. Yeah. Jonathan, uh, you know, can you help me with this? Yeah. Rather than having the bravado and sitting there and pretending like they know what's going on and then not being able to perform, mm. he will actually reward the people that put their hand up and are willing to look a little bit silly in the short term yeah. to be able to execute on a strategy long term. 100%.
1: You know, I think, um, yeah, it's the people that say, I know, I know, I know after every little piece of advice or coaching or, or in it, you know, they say, I know, I know, I know that, that just completely like shut, I shut down when people do that. And, and it's like, all right, next.
0: What do you think the, what do you think the percentages of people that engage in, you know, some kind of coaching or mentoring, but then actually themselves are probably not coachable? Um, no, I think
1: that's a paradox what you just said because people actually don't engage coaches and they don't read books and they don't go to seminars and events and get into coaching programs and that sort of thing if there's no admittance of of uh, and drop of ego where they if they're saying they know it all then they're not they're not engaging they're not they're not getting coaches you know one of the things um That psychologists will say that fifty percent of the problem solved, the fifty percent of a problem of a problem is solved when a person actually puts up their hand, raises the white flag, and actually pays a coach or pays a therapist or pays to go to that program. There's an admittance that no, I don't know all the information and I need help, and that's that's Mm. that's acceptance, acceptance, Um, and the analysis of that acceptance is the first step to change otherwise you, otherwise you know the the whole thing and i like what tony robbins does actually he says whatever you do you know like people who go to his seminars you know people who've gone to his seminars are already people have come to my seminars and they're already they're already changing you know they already want to change no one's forcing it down their throats because they they bought the ticket right and he said whatever you do don't go home after this four days he says this right at the uh, at the tail end of Unleash the power within which is his most common program and he said whatever you do don't go home and tell everyone how, how it was you know don't try and go and sell it to them don't go and try don't go and say you you know you should live like this you must you need to you should you you know like like you' should all over them because because they're not in a place of where they want to change. So, that's just going to come across as hyped personal development, um, motivated, you, you know, like, and people just go, oh, go away, you know, too much. It's only until a person actually t- spins it around and says, you know what, I want to go and I'm going to. Because if you're going to force someone to, to, to go through change, to grow or to get coaching, um, they're going to be resistant right right out of the blocks, right?
0: I think it's very—it's a very interesting point. Um, how would you correlate the people that, I guess, go to your seminars or, or or Tony Robbins seminars, and they've been to every seminar in the world, but they don't actually make the change? How do we bridge across that, I guess, accountability gap um, between "I'm ready" and putting things into action? Well, I guess it's accountability. You said coach, it. It's it, actually right?
1: accountability. There, there's there's um... You know, the shit thing about being a a professional speaker, which I've done for the last 10 years, I know that I'm only getting, you know, I might be at the start of a conference. You know, I've done a heap of real estate conferences, right? And I know that if I open that, if I open that conference, I'm, I'm, you know, they have me for uh, 45 minutes to maybe an hour and a half at best. And uh, you know, everyone leaves eight foot and bulletproof um and and punch in the ceiling and, and is like, yeah, 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 let's go, let's go. And I know that you know, eighty-five percent of the people aren't gonna do shit afterwards. Because and and I spoke on stage with uh Darren Hardy over in San Diego at a comp used to run mm-hmm. success.com. And he, he had some real you know, he had some real research around that. Um and yeah, there's a lot of people that get eight foot and bulletproof, but don't do anything. They get hyped up, but what happens is as soon as you leave the room, you go back into your daily to do list. You go back into your problems. So there's got to be that bridge, but you know of of going to the seminar or having that kind of breakthrough moment, and then having some accountabilities built in. You know, another program, and you know that's why people on sell coaching programs out of out of seminars. But that's also the problem of where people go to retreats. You know, they go to Bali, they eat really well, and then they come back into their, their <laughs> that they do yoga and they do the, the whole whatever, and then they come back in their normal home environment, their work ecosystem, and there's and, and that hasn't changed at all. And it's very quickly life will get back in get get in the way again. Life life's habits if you you don't. Really actively change your ecosystem to support your
0: new behaviour change. It's going to be super hard. Have you spoken with um, Tom Panos at any of the real estate conferences?
1: Yeah, I have. he was on one day and I was on another.
0: Yeah, I, I just remember one day Tom sitting in a, you know, um, a conference that I was at, and he's quite a. An, an energetic guy and he gets quite quite loud on stage mm. and I remember him yelling um, routine will set you free yeah. again and again and again he yelled this message yeah. um, and I think most people didn't really understand because most people look at routine I guess as the prison no. but what he's really talking about is once you leave that conference right and you go back into your normal routine and you don't build out a routine that builds out success for yeah. you you're actually even though you feel like it's easy and it's nice and it's warm, that routine is actually the prison. And the one that looks difficult is actually the one that will set you free um, and be able to, you know, whether you're looking to create wealth or, you know, there's whatever your aim is, you have to build in those uncomfortable yeah, elements yeah. and then make it a daily thing. Yeah.
1: And it's, um, he's right. And, and you know, uh, routine, discipline, habits, rituals will set you free because of decision fatigue, right? Mm. And, and when you're actually using less bandwidth on that stuff, it actually frees your mind to concentrate on your highest value activity because you don't have, have to overthink the, the, the mundaneness
0: of the daily tasks, well, that's obviously taken to the extreme by some of the Silicon Valley guys with same t shirt same yeah, well, Jobs, Zuckerberg, Valley, but also
1: Jocko Willing, um,
0: the ex Navy Seal, yep.
1: uh, who, who's who speaks and he's got his own podcast and stuff, and he says discipline,
0: you know, um, yeah, discipline equals freedom. I, I think the other Jocko message that's really good, um, is discipline is the only route to freedom.
1: Mm, mm, mm.
0: And he really pounds that. He goes, "There's no, there's no one that has gotten what you want without discipline."
1: Yeah, and I think uh, with regards to with, with regards to you know goal setting, let alone bucket list items, you know we've got two sets. We've got two types of goals. One type of goal is what they call an achievement goal. Another goal is a habit goal. So. You know, drinking four litres of water a day is a habit goal. It might be en route to an achievement goal, but an achievement goal is more of a success marker, you know, where you can get to the end of the marathon and go, yep, I've ticked that off my bucket list or I've climbed that mountain or I've bought that thing or, or whatever it might be. So understanding, understanding what does your typical day actually look like and and and, and those little micro 15-minute slots that that you can tweak to your advantage, you can change those habits. It's those little changes that lead on to the massive change. It's the micro to
0: the macro. What do you think, well, actually, let's, I was gonna say, what do you think is the most successful morning routine? But how about, how do you start your morning strife? What are the things that work for you um, that you see might work for other? Yeah, I get up up at uh, about 4.30 in the
1: morning I don't know about other people, but this is what works for me. And I've tried. I'm 46, so I've tried and tested a few. And I'm 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 an absolute productivity junkie too. I've I've uh, been my own guinea pig for a lot of years. So, um, and I and I coach this stuff. So as soon as I learn something and I embed it and it works, um, I'll I'll you know test it out with my my uh, clients. And if it works, then sweet, it becomes a more of an ingrained procedure. But For me, I I get up and I, um, 4.30, straight out of the coffee machine, have to get that coffee within five minutes. And um, uh, I have a very, (laughs) quite a structured routine actually about uh, drinking my coffee. My um, partner, Tracy, and I do the same thing. Then I I literally read a chapter of my book. um, And I actually read it out loud to, to trace, so you know we're we we're, we're learning, you know, learning every single morning. Learn a chapter of a book, go through a chapter of a book. Then I go uh, bike riding, uh, bike because I cycle most mornings. Bike riding, it's at, at five thirty, and then that you know, about till seven or so. Um, and then it's you know shower, breakfast, possibly another coffee, uh, a bite to eat, and then um, and then start my day at about eight and then I bookend, you know, and I do do more of these kinds of things in the morning, and then I, um, I, I do a lot of my thinking, uh, you know, my thinking in the afternoon, writing, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, in the afternoon, um, structure my meetings in a very strategic way with who and, and what sort of tasks and stuff, and then bookend my day with activity on the other end. So I go to the gym most nights too at about 5.30.
0: When you ride in the morning, is that do you ride in a yeah. group or do you go yeah, solo? Yeah, down here in Boneheads. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it's really interesting. I was speaking to another quite uh, high performance guy, and we we're talking about um, being out in, on the on the group rides in the morning. There's that element of um, I don't know. I always find myself sort of looking around and smiling and having a laugh, and it's just a great a great environment to start the day in because everyone's up. <laughs> You know, the the group rides we go and start 5.45, Mm. same spot in Melbourne, down the waterfront. Um, And by the time you come back, it's such a positive. And um, I I feel like the people that are getting up at 5.45am and, well, you're not getting up at 5.45 because you're getting up at 5.15, you're getting your clothes on, a shower, and then you're getting down there. Everyone's of a similar mindset. You're there to do something that not many other people are doing in the morning, um, and I think it's a great little way to start the day. And it's the same, I guess, with people that you, that enjoy going to F45 and things like that. If you go into that exercise environment and you're surrounded by like-minded people, um, that's a really great way in itself to build routine and structure because you almost be, become addicted or accountable to those other people. Yeah, there's a, and
1: we only realised that as a, as a group cyclist as well. We only realised that when it was taken away from us. Right, just recently, with uh, with COVID, we couldn't do any bunch of rides, and and still I think it's only ten or something in per group. And I used to, I lived in Melbourne for twenty years, so I uh, you know I've done hell ride and the whole bit. there's was like a hundred guys, <laughs> and uh, mm. but the um, yeah it serves a number of purposes. They say that cycling is actually the you know cycling the new golf. Um, you get there's a bit of competitiveness in it. In some groups there's a lot of competitiveness in it. It's obviously a cardio a a cardio workout. So it gets the testosterone going, it gets the cardio going. And plus it's social. You know, you have always have a coffee at the end of it and you talk shit. And um, I think that's that's a great thing, especially for guys. It's it's a great outlet. Mental health um, benefits come from that. And I'm sure there's some studies done on cycling, you know, in response to mental health for guys and depression and and, uh, and, it's, and it's, um, when you get older, it's something you can do until you die, really, because running and knees and hips, it, it kind of gives way after, after a while. Um, but, yeah, cycling is a, uh, a lot more social. And I think, we, I think we've taken it for granted until it was taken away. And I think a lot of guys, and I know me in particular in the last few weeks of coming back into the group,
0: have really appreciated it a lot more. Yeah, definitely. I've been Albert um, Park Lake sort of become my little crit track, a five five <laughs> k little loop, and you sort of run into a, run into a few friends and things like that. But um, I just remember the first the first day they opened up um, the twenty five k restriction, we could ride a little bit further. Um, me and three mates straight yes, down so beach road, right? um, and you're riding people, riding past people, waving to people you haven't seen mm. them for for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, or months and months and months. In Melbourne's no. case. Um, and that, that whole social element, I think for me, one one thing that I definitely hack with my productivity um, is I realise there's some tasks that I have a heap of accountability to myself with and then there's other tasks that I'm accountable to others with. So exercise is a really good one, right? Um, I can do certain amount of exercise by myself um, and I'm okay and I can self-motivate Um, and get myself there, but I motivate 10 times better if I'm accountable to someone else. So if I have a training partner and I know that they're getting out of bed, then I've no issue getting out of bed. Right. But if it's me versus me, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit harder, but then with business things, I can go completely Mm -hmm. insular. So if it's anything to do with work, anything to do with, um, operations, very, very easy for me to just self-motivate. I know it needs to be done. So it gets done. Um, but once I started to realize that I had these little, I guess, I assume they're little neural pathways in my brain, I could then start manipulating mm. them, right? Because I can go and I go, okay, I'm going to pick up a new habit. I want to make sure that I'm going to the gym seven times a week next week. All I do is I call up call up my mates and say, hey, do you want to come for a workout on Monday? Yep. Do you want to come for a workout on Tuesday? And I can build myself an accountability system, hacking my own, I guess, mm. shortcomings Um, and force myself to Mm. go and then at the end of it well even though there's a few mornings that you do literally have to pull yourself out of bed and force yourself Mm. to go and do something
1: you feel better for
0: it and i guess that's that habit goal right once you tick the box you're like oh that was good right and every box you tick you're closer and closer and closer i feel like to to self-motivating when i started cycling if you tell me that i would enjoy going out for a solo ride to frankston and back or something like that into a into a headwind, I'd say you've got absolute rocks in your head no anything worse. <laughs> Whereas now, there's often days I wake up I'm like, oh, 35-kilometer-hour winds, great day for a bike ride. Go out, ride by myself, me versus me, maybe the headphones in, a little bit of music on. And you actually really enjoy um, this, well, I reckon you. I reckon you've only you done you only do those ones when, you, when you're feeling
1: guilty that you haven't done any other rides during the week, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a sucker for pain. I, one of my training partners said to me the other day, um, "We're ri- riding into this, uh, riding into this headwind," and I said, I, "I said I never thought that wind would really be a big factor in my life. All the time growing up, I never, you know, I played a lot of a lot of ball sports." Um, and I, you know, wind's never really been a factor in my life. And now I wake up in the morning, the first thing I want to know is whether the wind's northerly or southerly, because it depends which way it's blowing yeah. on Beach Road <laughs> as to how excited I am to ride. And he said to me, and this this one got me really good. He goes, "Oh, you know why Lance Armstrong was so strong?" I said, "Why?" And he goes, "Oh, Texas is the third windiest oh, state in America." I said, no, "That's a good point." And every time every time I see the forecast and it's above 25 kilometers an hour, you're talking to Lance. Oh, Lance, Arms, Lance Armstrong, what a road. Um, and then you get out there and you hate, you yeah. hate the decision. But it's, that's actually a, a really good analogy, right? Because when I started out, I never would have done those things because they're hard and it's difficult. But because I built those, those success routines and I'd had those good experiences riding in groups and riding with friends, and now I know I can do it, I'm disproportionately more likely to go out yeah. and do it by myself. There you go. Um, so let's go back to the bucket list. Why did you choose the bucket list as, as an analogy? Is it because the metaphor is so powerful? People know exactly um, exactly where you go. No, no,
1: it's not a metaphor, man. I, someone called me the bucket list guy and it's stuck. Um, so about 10 years ago, uh, I put on a uh, – see, my I guess my history – is uh I've grown up as a surfer, surf life, you know, surf life-saving swimmer down here in Ocean Grove, always a jock, good at sport. Uh, then went and did a phys ed degree, third year uni, early 90s. I started this thing called personal fitness training. And there was only a handful of us in Melbourne. So I'm 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 old. I'm 46. i 47. Shit, there you go. Forty-seven. So I was one of the first sort of first personal trainers running around Melbourne back in the day um, before there was this big industry. And uh, I, I, that was my first business. So I started personal training. Then one client grew into a, uh, a chain of personal training studios around Australia. Tens of thousands of clients later, nearly two, uh, over two million personal trainers Um uh, no, sorry, per, over 2 million personal training sessions. Um, I did that over 20 years. I was the first to franchise personal training in Australia. And, um, but then I went through a bit of a, a, a breakdown before breakthrough moment, I guess. Um, and I had some, there was some toxic people in my life and in business some legal stuff going on. It all resulted in a bit of a downward spiral and I found myself going through depression. And, uh, I mean, I put my depression compared to other people's. Mine was quite mild, but it was, you know, your own reality. But um, instead of going on heavy sort of antidepressants, uh, so I didn't want to live my life like a zombie, I um, forced myself to go into personal training, uh, sorry, personal development events. So it was, um, you know, I went and studied life coaching, NLP, positive psychology. If you put on a course back then, I would have bought it and ran to the back of the room and uh, for about a year and a half I did all did everything that you could and I always loved helping people and it wasn't until a friend of mine at the time said hey why don't you teach this stuff and so I I did and that was like the big domino that I on reflection now had to push over in my life so i put on a talk Um, compared to what I do now because I've done a TEDx talk I've spoken all around the world I'm a what they call a CSP, a certified speaking professional, which is this globally recognized certification. Uh, you know, I've been involved in that speaking world for a lot of years. And um, <laughs> compared to what I do now, back then, it was shit. My first seminar, I nearly had to pay the 40 people to come to that seminar. And I packaged <laughs> in everything that I'd known and everything that I'd learned. And uh, about halfway through, I started sharing. This is 10 years ago. So I started sharing my list to do before I die. I always had one written down since I was 18. A lot of people didn't know that about me. And I started sharing it and it, and it fired everyone up. And um, then at the end of it, uh, and I realized I was the only freak in the room who had one of these lists actually written. So I, uh, it inspired the group. And then at the end of it, Joe, one of the participants said, how's all this list to do before you die stuff? It's really fired everyone up. Um, it it's like a bucket list. You're like the bucket list guy, and I went ping life bulb moment. Went home and registered <laughs> the bucketlistguy.com and I've been doing that ever since. And I was on the on the Google machine at the time, and I'm like, oh, who's like the king? Who's like the Mac Daddy of bucket lists in the world? Oh, look, no one. So I literally called myself the world's number one bucket list expert, and I've been that ever since. And no, it's no one has taken incredible. That, how, no one has taken just that just fall from me, but. That I've 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 mentored and coached a lot of other speakers in my time, and a lot of other thought leaders, and you know, pe- coaches who want to break through. And and I've uh, the the most common piece of advice that I give them is, you know, pick a highway, then pick a lane, and then own the lane. Um, and that's what I've done. You know, if you Google motivate, if you go. Uh, you know, Google motivational speakers or inspirational speakers, you'll see a, a litany of them. Same with, you know, leadership speakers, mm. even real estate speakers to a certain extent. And you've got heaps. Yep. Um, but what's that one niche? What's that one niche, as we say in Australia, um, that 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 separates you from them? Um, what's that one unicorn? What's that online superhero that you can be? Um Because I knew the bucket list guy was gonna um, gain, you know, get more eyes on it, get more attention than just Trav Bell. So I went with that, I led with that, and it's served me right ever since. And, you know, so really in that thought leadership, I have gone an inch wide and a mile deep and and now leveraged and scaled out the message. And the message really is based on positive psychology with this you know, um, theme or this brand of bucket list over the top of it. That's really what we're doing. And, and the the reason why I exist and, the, you know, my calling, my why, and the reason why now we've got, we've got certified bucket list coaches in 22 countries teaching my stuff. And uh, the reason why that exists is, is to combat the thing that I was going through, which is, you know, mental health, anxiety, the, you know, the, the suicides, you suicides, it, it, it it really does give people tangible tools to be able to self-manage instead of going on, you know, antidepressants. I'm, there's a place for that, don't get me wrong. This is not, you know, instead of, but these are another set of tools. These personal development tools, as you know, need to be out there in the world, but they, I think they're being sold wrong. Um, and uh, the people that really need them aren't picking them up. So we're trying to do it in a cooler way and, and make it more, more applicable to a wider range, wider, wider range of people and, you know, and hopefully um, hopefully the lights go on for some people because, you know, as you know, people are just – there's a lot of people just existing, not living, living by default rather than by design. And, mate, you know, one of the quotes that I said in the TED talk that I did there at Jeff Shed was uh, people are dying at 40 and being buried at 80. So – You know, I love helping people wake up before they get given a use-by date.
0: It's interesting because one of the things I said um, to someone the other day um, is I said, I'm actively trying to avoid a midlife crisis. And they said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I woke up when I was 23, 24, and I realised that things weren't quite going exactly the direction I wanted them to go. So I tried to fix that and then I tried to think about it in the context of the next 100 years and make sure that we didn't end up in that yeah. pinch point again. Um, and I think that once you would – I know for me, is it's I just have this constant expansion mindset. So, you know, always looking at it and going, is there more we could be doing? Is there, you know – more experiences—is there more things that we haven't um, that we haven't explored? And typically, with with self development, the answer is always yes. There's always a book you haven't read. There's always you know another school of thought. And then obviously, the science is constantly changing as well around psychology. So um, you can always go back and find something else and do something else better. Um, and I, I know definitely for me, and well, some of the psychology research would suggest as well, but in life, that actually creates the positive, uh, positive reinforcement that people need to keep going. Um, and the more, the more you can find things to pull yourself forward, you talked about that first domino, right? As soon as that, the dominoes start rolling, all of a sudden, that's the same with the positive emotion. You get the system right. And, of course, there's always going to be little sidetracks mm-hmm. and things that go wrong. Um, but the better you get at mm-hmm. pushing over dominoes, the easier it is to get yeah, on uh, um, How old are you?
1: 25. Have you got kids? Have you got a mortgage? No kids.
0: I have uh, <laughs> a few mortgages. Add,
1: add, add all that, like like um, this is you know like it's funny, um, like when you get north of forty, <laughs> it starts. This shit really hits home, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and you get kids, and you become you know become kind of like everyone else to a certain extent. And and then, and then you kind of, you know, that's why I say people are dying at 40 and being buried at 80. There's a lot of people that just sort of give up pushing the envelope. So whatever you do, mate, like keep, keep the dream alive, keep growing, keep, keep being the leader that you are and uh, keep practising what you preach because there's a lot of people that have the theory but don't put into practice, especially over years and years and years beyond 40, because there's real you know, at at forty and that's I think why we call it a midlife crisis because because you know, there becomes this fork in the road and you can really see it. I'm forty seven, you can really I can really see it in my mates. There's a lot of mates that have just gone, Yeah, there you go. I've got the mortgage, I've got the kids, got the job, I guess, or the business and, and I'm I and I'm and I'm done. It's like, yeah, but um you know, what else, what else, what else? And there's other people that are just like, nah, I'm going to use it as a midlife awakening, you know, and hopefully it doesn't take a divorce or something traumatic or dramatic to happen to you or a loved one for you to, um, for your cage to be rattled for you to wake up. But there is a distinct fork in the road and, um, it's something to look forward to, mate, but, uh, it's, <clears throat> but you really yeah. do see it, you know, and, and, uh, I talk about this with a lot of people and, um, yeah, and, and it's, it's um, disheartening. Because, and, and the thing is something's wrong because, you know, those depression stats and those suicide stats and, and everything that I just mentioned, they're all mostly happening in um, especially in a lot of guys from 40 and above. And so something's broken you know, that, that, that mundaneness that we're all, or that, that life that we're all seeking, there's something wrong. You know, I'm not going to say i I've got all the answers, but I I'm doing my bit to, to, uh, help people stop living by default and live by design. Let, let's start to live and not just exist. Like I said before. Um, and this might be absolutely the stuff that I teach. Um, you know, it might be just icing on the cake for some, but it might be an absolute game changer for others. It just depends. You know, I'm not the last thing you want to do as a coach. And I know you're sort of new to this world, but whatever you do, don't presuppose that you know a person's life and what they need. That's one thing you do not do as a coach. You do not. Um, <clears throat> you do not say to a person, "You should, you must, you have to, you need to." It's programs of necessity. It's programs of comparison. Most people will just go, fuck off. You don't know my situation. So all we do as coaches is offer another perspective, all right? We don't tell a person how to live. That's too presumptuous, all right? Just because it's worked for me does not mean it's going to work for you. And it's too presumptuous to – in part, my model of the world that is better than everyone else's, um, or that is uh, that I that you should do what I'm doing. No, no, we've got to unearth what's going on. We've got to unearth where the gaps are, and then offer offer a smorgasbord of of ideas which they can pick up
0: and 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 test and measure. I guess it's about. The approach that I always think about, and this is something that um, I take from business, and, and even when I'm doing coaching as well now, um, is you want to be a practitioner, right? So when you go to a, when you go to a hospital, and you're like, "Oh, listen, my leg hurts," or whatever's broken, it hurts. The doctor doesn't just put you down and go, "Oh, yeah, I had a broken exactly. leg once, and this is what we did." No, they put you in, they just, uh, they run no, some tests, questions. They okay, this is what could be happening. This is here. Then they check your background, or, and they do this whole thing, and then they go, "Okay, yes." On the off chance that it's not, and that it's something, you know, a little bit more serious or something like that, everyone's covered, and everyone knows what's going on, and they've tested everything, and now they can prescribe the right course of um, the right course of action based on the facts rather than just based on the feelings um, and the emotions of the situation. And I think that, um, you know, if you can think about everything you do in life as a doctor, I, I think it works equally well for business. You you want to be trying to make your decisions with the maximum amount of information you can possibly get. You don't obviously want to be paralyzing yourself by having too much information, um, which is a very fine line, but you want to be making informed decisions. Um, you know, no one would, no one would go and commit to a 30-year mortgage if they didn't have an idea of how a mortgage worked, right? And you read through the loan documents, you get a bit of a feel for what's going on. Um, but I feel like there is a lot of people that, that sign up to 30 years of life doing it a certain way and haven't read the loan documents. Yeah, yeah. Um, take me through, if I'm, I'm sitting here right now, how do I write a bucket list?
1: The best thing to do is uh, watch my TED talk.
0: <laughs> and uh, in
1: that, I introduced and unpacked a, a concept called the My Bucket List Blueprint, and it's, I've got a book coming out with the same title. Um, so it's a twelve-letter acronym for how to write how to write a personally meaningful and holistic bucket list. And um, once you watch that, and you, you oh, the first thing how how do you write a bucket list? <clears throat> mm. Is you actually get these this thing? I know it's very archaic, very analog. It's called a pen and a paper, and a lot of people don't even write down their goals, let alone bucket list. So, so start with yeah. that. Get off your phone and think. Take time out of your life to work on your life. Watch the TED talk, and then and then go for it. Um, and that'll that'll help you write a uh, an expansive and holistic bucket list. So it's not just about travel; it's all about the 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 uh, uh, things that you want to learn through the people that you want to meet, the ultimate challenges, the fears that you that you want to overcome, um, you know, the the legacies, the kind acts for others that you want to do in this lifetime and go after then write it down, send it to me. Once you've done it, listeners, Jack, once you've done it, once you've written it down, you've got to email it to me, trav at com. And I've got special bucket list superpowers. I can make some of that stuff come to fruition. So you need to do that. That's my accountability piece. And go after then the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest ones to create a bit of a snowball effect, you know, because if you cross off, tick off the easier ones, that'll give you the momentum and motivation to smash through the bigger ones. And and the thing is, is, you know, just list the what and the why, not a, not the how. How well, a lot of people don't don't write down goals, don't let alone bucket list items because they overcomplicate. You know the how they overthink the how how to do it. Um, that's not how it works. You just got to worry about the what and the why, the reason why you want to do it. No judgment. Just just go for it. Brain dump. And uh, don't overcomplicate the how. The how will have a a funny, mysterious, universal way of actually showing up when you're clear on what that decision is. So it's not about the why. When the why is strong enough, the how will work itself out. So you need to just brain dump everything, knock over the first couple of smaller ones first that maybe don't require a lot of time and money, you know, a lot of resources, and, uh, and you just watch what happens. This is about choosing happiness, mate. This is about putting your own oxygen mask on first before you can help others. This is about self-leadership, all right? This is about being the true example for others to follow by being a bucket lister, right? For the example for your kids, for your partner, for your work colleagues, um, for your team, and, uh, and being that person that, you know, I want to do business with. You know, uh, I call them a bucket lister, um, someone who's glass half full, not half empty, someone who's fun and, and, and you know, has got sp- another tale to tell um, versus someone that you catch up with and you feel like you need a washer holiday after. It. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, be that person. I want I want to do business with that kind of person.
0: What do you think the biggest blockage is people run into when they sit down for the first time? Like you said, fear of failure. Barely write oh, oh, fear of failure. Yep.
1: I don't want to disappoint myself so I again so I won't re- even write this stuff down. Mm. And also fear of success well, is actually the same the same it's, core. It's just about to ask Because be if I get yeah. if I uh, and and remembering that this has got nothing to do with your business, so I say a bucket list is a tangible life plan where our business plan or our career plan needs to fit into it needs to fit into our life plan, not be the other way around. So this is really bringing home the work to live principle. You know, the reason the reason we go into business or the reason we we you know develop a you know get a career a job uh, that that vehicle should produce two things and two things only, and that is to produce the 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 cash flow and also the time flow to allow us <clears throat> to do the shit that we want to do in life, right? Double bonus if you actually love what you do and it's hitting your values, which is your internal rule book, and you actually like what you do on a day-to-day basis and you're of service to the community and you're doing good. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the Holy Grail, right? I think that's the Holy Grail. Mm. And there's a lot of, what is it, 87% of people who, who go to work every day in America are what they call disengaged. There's eighty-seven, nearly ninety yep. percent of people in America who work to just go paycheck to paycheck and uh waiting for waiting for retirement. You know, they're disengaged. They're just a kind of feel that
0: they're a number. And the one I like to use is people a lot of people they they say that they want a career. Right? People <laughs> and they say, Oh, it'd be particularly young people, oh, I'd be really great to have a career. But, and the thing that people forget is most people don't have a career. Most people have a job, and that's about as far as it goes. There's very, very few people on this planet. Well, 87% disengaged. So let's take the other, um, the other half of that. Statistic, 13. Half statistic, <laughs> but you've got 13% of that. 13% of your whole workforce in America, they have a career. Yeah. They have something that seems to have either progression or a, a higher purpose, or something they enjoy doing. The rest of the people, they mm. got a job. Doesn't matter whether it's at Goldman Sachs or mm. at McDonald's. Mm. It's a job. Um, and I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest scams that I'm seeing at the moment is, in particular, coming out of the universities, yeah. is this um, this concept of. Um, I guess equality and this push for equality across the board, and really what they're selling people into is thirty-year mortgages and having mm. a job. Yeah, that's the whole—that's the scam in America. Everyone, everyone's way behind. I'm turning around "It's—it's <laughs> yeah, it's like you go through this university process, you come out, um, and you know I've been working with a couple of young women who have extraordinary potential to be great." Achievers within whatever space that they set mm. their mind to, right? Um, both of them happen to be happen to be uh, legal professionals, um, and the question the question that I ask is is that actually what you want, or is that what society is telling you that you want now? Because there's a whole heap other stuff you can do, and climbing to the top of the pyramid of whichever law firm you set your mind to might not actually mm. be fulfilling. And just because people have done that for the last couple of hundred years, um, and people seem to be happy, and obviously, I guess I think one of the things as well with our media is we take the we take the extreme cases. So the partner at Goldman Sachs that loves his job, but we very, very, very infrequently um, shine the spotlight on the uh, on the guy that's been there for six months, is completely burnt out, hates it, and decides he never wants to be an investment banker yeah. ever again, um, and we take that that top of the pyramid example, and then we try and sell it back to mm. everyone else, saying, oh, look how, how good it can be. This is a career. That's what you want. You want a career. And then people get there and what happens, they wake up, I think they have the quarter-life crisis, so they finish uni, they're all excited, they go out into the workforce and then they're sitting there, they're working and then they go, oh, hang on, this isn't what I was mm. promised. Or even worse, I guess it's that that fork in the road you talk about 40 is, you get in and you're doing well and everyone's supporting you. The business might be supporting you as well because you're very good. You might be productive. You might be a big fee rider. Um, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, hang on. Oh, is this all it's cracked up to be? Because I'm getting pretty close to the top now yeah. at 40 and it don't feel all that all that much different mm. from the bottom. And I think that's the biggest, the, the biggest thing that's being sold at the moment is in, in everyone, in, in us trying to make everyone equal, we're actually selling people into these jobs and into these things that I guess traditionally, well, you know, traditionally men went to work and, and women were at home looking after children were, were caregivers, right? Now we're trying to sell everyone into going to work. Like, I'm not sure if that's really the solution. Yeah, well,
1: people are, uh, people are changing. The current status is people are changing careers, or should I say maybe jobs or careers, um, 15 times in their working life now. And five years ago, five, maybe eight years ago, it used to be seven times. So people are chopping and changing a lot more, which is shit for culture within a company and shit for loyalty. Um, And uh, But we live in a more of a, a contracted world these days rather than employed world too. And now, especially with COVID, um, we live in a more remote work team world too. So the game has changed. People are chopping and changing. Um, and so that, that, and that's one of the biggest challenges, you know, within business these days is maintaining that sense of culture and that loyalty and that sense of belonging, I guess, uh, in a, a, a somewhat of a separated, separated environment, you know, a separated kind of ecosystem. So it's been really interesting over the last three years. I've I've battled with that myself. I reckon I'm onto something good now. Is setting up a remote work team to run Bucket List Coach, and so I've got employees, or should I say, team members, who work with me, not for me, um, in one to in five different countries, and and yeah, thanks to technology, they can all, we can all come together. Um, but we haven't got any big head office that we can all high-five and hug it out in, um, and I think those days are, are, are sorely missed by some people um, and, and welcomed by others, but at the end of the day, that game has changed, and um, not, everyone, not everyone should be an entrepreneur and, and you know, chop and change. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of people are built for that. Um, some people, most people, should I say, love certainty versus uncertainty. And, you know, in the, day, uh, in the days of chopping and changing, you've got to kind of be, I don't call it an entrepreneur, I call it an intrapreneur. And that's, you know, someone that works for someone else. And obviously, um, you've got to kind of be a, an, an entrepreneur within, a, within a, another entrepreneur's brand. And be comfortable with that. Not everyone's comfortable with that either, so it's a
0: kind of it's been very disrupted. Mm. Do you think the disruption in the workplace has is contributing to these um, mental health statistics that we're seeing? No, that's that's um, it's a compounded
1: effect. Um, the mental health statistics. I'm no expert on it, but um, the the mental health statistics, it's a combination. We've even got this thing called the loneliness epidemic now. And the loneliness epidemic is uh, the adverse effect of social media. So I was about to do a talk actually before COVID in March uh, to 700 people at uh, PhD students, people connected to RMIT University there in Melbourne. And it was actually on the loneliness epidemic. I'd done some leadership stuff for their... um, uh, for their community uh, last year and uh, they wanted me back to talk about this loneliness epidemic. So I dug into it more and more and more uh, to find that this is the adverse effect of social media. We are connected more supposedly online, but we're more disconnected like never before. And it's having a really ill effect. So you, you look at – it's a good question, Jack, because you I think it's that plus – um divorces you know that, that one in two ends in divorce so it leaves a lot of guys and a lot of people out in the limb um, broken families has a has a, a big part to play in that um, I think just the, the the busyness of life just creates unnecessary anxiety um, and a lot of people have we just too many too many things going on it's it's pretty hard to spin all you know keep all those plates spinning in life and then you throw in a you know throw in the, the maybe toxicity of other people you throw in the media oh my god don't even get me started but the media you throw that in there like well, I went through depression the first thing I the, one of the first things that I that I did was switch off the fucking news you just think about it right It's amazing how good the world is when you you don't watch the news. You you, you know, your typical day, you start, you know, traditionally, you start the news and then you start the day with news, you end the day with the news, whether it's on TV, and a lot of people just religiously watch it, um, and they go, oh, the news is stupid. But then, you know, it's getting through a critical decision-making, logical brain, faculty, um, and it unconsciously gets in there. So, so you start the day and end the day with with pretty much bad news. No wonder we're all fucking depressed. You know, switch off the news yeah. and and then um, do something about your distraction, uh, the extension, the distractor, which is uh, you know, um, switch off. Oh yeah, switch off notifications on your phone. That really helps too. So you're not getting yeah. pinged by everything. And see the the shit thing about social media and where it's really contributed is we're all comparing our behind the scenes footage with someone else's highlights reel. That's that's what leads to a lot of anxiety and and depression and and this loneliness. And so look, uh, and I think oh god, you could talk about food, you could talk about all sorts of you know things that contribute to contribute to this, but um, the stats ain't getting any better. Where you know, through this whole bucket list and our, our coaches around the world, this is beyond me now, um, is we want to change that narrative. We want to change the conversation as good as we possibly can, as good as I possibly can in my lifetime so that uh, it gives some gives some people to really self-manage
0: out of, out of where they're at. It's obviously an enormous task um, and – I guess it's one that can be a little bit daunting when you, look at, when you look at it from a global perspective because it's definitely not going to get easier um, as the rest of the world tries to catch up with the Western world as well, particularly as far as, you know, maybe the poor food choices and then, um, you know, there'll be increased internet access and all of these things. The problems we're going to – we see in our society now, we're starting to see emerging, yeah. we're only going to multiply Um as, as India comes online and then as you know, Africa is yeah. inevitably next. Well, you know, um, look,
1: I, I'm, I'm, if I'm stupid mm, enough mm, to mm. call myself the world's number one bucket list expert, I'm stupid enough to have a crack at this while I can. Fuck it. So, so at the end of the day, mate, oh. you, know, like, you know, when you're a speaker and when you, when you can leverage and scale a business, well, why not have a crack at a big problem?
0: Like, why not have a big vision? Bugger it. That was something I was going to ask you. This might be a little bit of a selfish question, but one of the things that I've been struggling with lately, right, is the interplay. So I read Tim Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Workweek yep. probably like five six years ago. Book changed my life. That was the reason I stopped watching the news. Um, all of a sudden, I was like, "Geez, this is really really good." Um, well, there you go. Hang on. The greatest fun, fun fact. Fun fact: When
1: Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. came to town, mm-hmm. I um, I uh, I had lunch with him. Yeah. Yeah, he was on a my bucket list to meet him and I had lunch with him. Yeah, cool guy too, really cool guy. Not on Wanker. Super, super smart. Not on one of my favourite podcasts. Uh, which is what you
0: love. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I and, and that's, you know, you touched on toxic people before. Um, sometimes it's the, uh, you can meet a hero yeah. and be a little bit underwhelmed, yeah. but I'm glad you had a good experience. Um, so I started out with that cut out the news and now I'm at this point where I actually want to I want to do yeah. more and I want to help more people um, and I see a lot of a, a lot of uh, I guess political division in our society um, and um, it's very hard to engage with people and stay out of the I guess the political discussion because everything's no, becoming it's not. politicized no, it's not. right
1: everyone's it's not hard to stay out of any conversation. Just don't engage in it. You know what I mean? You there? Yeah,
0: yeah. I do. Just don't... Yeah, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, Maybe, mate, you I, made I, me I mean, think about I, it. Yeah.
1: I'm talking about my dad oh. here too because he, he wants to whinge and bitch about everything going on in life, you know, and the government and the, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. Well, you know what? I've got to, have got to, uh, go in a five minutes. So, um, so anyway, um, what a, <laughs> and then just change the topic. Why give it ban- Why give it bandwidth? Uh, yeah. Why why let it enter your? Why let it? Why let it enter your world if you don't want it?
0: The thing that I get that personally I get um, torn between is when I see someone playing, I guess, a game of identity politics and that viewpoint is so, like, limiting in their belief structure and then you're trying – I think one of the hardest things with the personal development world is um, we're not really selling anything over here. Like, you're not trying to sell someone something. You're just saying, hey, look at these things. You might want to consider them. No, no. So sales
1: pitch. My sales pitches is, is, is I, want, I want more tribe members. I want more warriors to go out there and teach this stuff to people. From you know, we do programs for kids, at like teenagers, so um, and through to fortune, you know, fortune five hundred companies. So I, I just I just want more coaches. You know, right now, um, that's that's so it can spread this message more and more because it's helped a shitload of people over the last ten years.
0: I think that right, your message, the entire community's message, is so beneficial to people. But then on the other side, you've got people getting pulled into this. Um, I guess that, you know, you've got things like critical race theory, intersectionalism, um, and they're looking at all these Never heard of those. What is that? Saying, oh, this is the. Okay, so um, basically, okay, so take something like intersectional interse- interse- feminism. Right, Inter- intersectional feminism. Intersectional feminism. What it is, is a theory that comes out of a whole heap of, um, I have to say this, Paul, I don't particularly right. agree with these schools of thought. Um, I don't believe that gender studies is a, I don't think it's real science. Mm. Um, so our universities are um, becoming increasingly divided between people that are performing what I what do you re- science, What do you really want to so, say? So, you know, physics. What do you really Physics, want to say? biology, chemistry—all of these things. Well, just say that. Mate. Yeah, I think they're full of shit. Um, so I've I've read a lot of these papers, and I, and I, think, it, I think they are full of shit. Um, but basically, they they've come up with this theory of all the ways that you could possibly be oppressed, right, by society. Because everyone, there's only two things in society, according to intersectional and critical critical theory, What's critical theory? Um, based. Critical theory, but pretty simplistically, critical theory is right. that everything's that a power dynamic. <clears throat> and there's, uh, you're either right. an oppressor Shit. or you're oppressed. And that's it. So our whole society is built on right. power dynamics, right? Mm. Um, and that and that's it. So there's no one trying to help anyone. If, you know, Trav Bell's not trying to help Jack Roberts. Mm. Jack Roberts isn't trying mm. to help Trav Bell. There's no helping. You're, you know, you with 47 years experience, you're, mm. you're the oppressor yeah. and I'm the oppressed, right, in this dynamic, which is not how I view the world. And I don't think it's I, – I think it's a very toxic way to view the world, right, because you get into this constant thing of looking at everyone as, as a power dynamic, and I don't think that's the way the world works. I, that's just my personal experience. There's also, um, you know, a couple of hundred thousand uh, papers written on this. this whole There's run, very oh, this whole, whole countries run the on case. dictatorships
1: and, and communism,
0: so, you know, it, it, it's not a new thing. Yeah, so that's basically the, the, the assumption from from critical theory is that you're either, you know, you're either an oppressor or you're oppressed. And from there, all of these factors impact on your life and basically it just becomes a whole a really sad and miserable story of saying, oh, these are all the yeah. reasons why I can't do something. So intersectionalism is is the lap over between all of the factors that might uh, contribute to you being oppressed. So, for example, if you are an African-American woman um that is born in a low so, low socioeconomics um, area and you also happen to you also happen to identify um, as lesbian um they're all of you now have these uh, basically exclusive traits that mean that you're more oppressed than um, me as a someone born in a low socioeconomic family but um, as yeah, a white you get you got better male privileges okay so so I have better privileges and therefore, right, I have a better chance of making it. Absolutely. But I don't like to disenfranchise the mindset of someone else by saying, "I." I the way I look at the world is if you were born in, you know, in social housing in America as an African-American uh, woman and Oprah Winfrey is not on your wall is the epitome of everything that you can be. Then you're not. You haven't set oh, the, the, bar right, the, uh, the right education. Hasn't because if been, hasn't been, if there's,
1: you know, forthcoming to that person. Because, yeah, I was about to give the example of Oprah. You know, that's all well and good, but um, I yeah. think, uh, yeah, like, uh, like uh, you can you can read into the theories. So get, you can you can look at is... you know look at all this stuff and, and then choose to uh, choose to read into it deeper and let it let it let it affect you or just get on with it, mate.
0: Yeah. I think that's interesting. It's almost um a friend of mine always says, oh, "I don't try and convince people." He's got a very a, a very specific view on the world. Um actually a speaker as well, and he just goes, "You know what? I just I just run my race, and if people want to listen, and they want to listen, if they don't." I was on a own, podcast
1: earlier this um, morning and um with uh, this American guy and he uh we're talking, you know, his, his wife died, died of leukaemia three and a half years ago. He's obviously still, you know, pretty uh, bent up about it. And we actually had a really good conversation about life really kind of deep too. And and I forgot, if, I even forgot if I was on a podcast. And, uh, and then I shared the story of my best mate, Cam. Cam was 41. He died last year. He lived uh, six, six, seven years past his original use-by date that was given to him through stage four brain cancer. He's my best mate. Um, he was a, he set up a bunch of personal, uh, so dojos. He's a fourth down black belt, you know, the whole thing, and did this superhero program for kids, amazing guy. And uh, because he could speak in public, they wanted him to be part of um, all these cancer groups, you know, because he was a young cancer sufferer and he emphatically over the course of six years all the time that i knew him he was just what no 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 because his attitude was well what am i going to do i know i'm terminal um what am i going to do sit around and talk to other other people about problems that we all know what the outcome is going to be like like i, I by, by actually being in that environment, in actually being in those rooms, I'm just reminding myself, and it's a pity party. Or, you know, or, or, or not even mm. say yes, not even go into those rooms. He never went into one, by the way. And he just got on with his bucket list. He just got on with actually living his life. So he chose not to be around that information, not to be around that ecosystem and those people, and didn't even pick up the book, so to speak. And just got and, and just made a decision. The line in the sand, you know, um, not to deny there's a problem, not to be a victim, not to use excuses, but get on with completely owning uh, owning owning the information that comes into your into your mind, into your peripheral vision, um, being responsible and being accountable to yourself, and playing above a line, and 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 just fully embracing what you've got left, and, and just full on choosing to not be the bitch of someone else's agenda.
0: Mm. I completely agree There you go. I, I think, think well, it's a very well, powerful way to live your life. That's why when you mention
1: these theories, um, I've got no idea what they are and don't want to know.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it, it's funny. And every time I, I hear someone speak about it like this, it really um, It's very black it and white. A lot of it's very black and white. Because I think sometimes... I think, I think being around
1: personal development... There's a lot of coaches that are full of shit, mate. You know, there's a lot of coaches that just don't practice what they preach. And I think that's why life coaching has got, got a bad, you know might have a bad reputation or it's met with skepticism. There's a lot of people who just aren't walking their talk. Go follow the people that are walking their talk. Go and follow the people that aren't full of shit. And you might have to do some digging on them um and and model what they're doing and model you know model those kind of leaders and i think um that's the that's the fastest path to this but go don't model just coaches go and model the oprahs go and you know go and model the people that you that you emulate or that you want to at least be like you know like look at tim ferris i modeled a lot of what he what you know his life and he's very open with a lot of his information so it's not not hard to work out how the guy thinks So you reckon, all right, if I mapped a little bit of that into my life, do you reckon I might be able to think the same? Yep, bang,
0: look at that. It happened. Yeah. (laughs) It seems – it's funny because everything you said seems so um, true and 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 practical. (laughs) Um, And And you save it and and practical because it'll probably save you 10 years of your fucking life. Yeah. But uh, like for me to think that there's a whole bunch of people out there that just think that th- those that kind of thinking and that kind of skill set isn't available to them. Okay, um, so I'll that, give you an, that I'll, boggles I'll, my mind, and that's I'll give an example draws me into that political discussion because you're like, how can you believe that this works for everyone else yeah, on the planet yeah. that's done this has been successful, yeah. right? And I can give them a thousand examples. Yeah, they'll turn around and say, oh, but because I'm uh, oppressed by A, sure. B and C, it's not going to work gonna Look, look the, the thing
1: is, you know, <laughs> no, and I've done a lot of uh, coaching around, around uh, especially, you know, in, in particular relationships. Um, look, a person can go through, um, a, a person can be raped as a kid, you know, be molested by a pedophile, right? And this is, uh, I, I'm sorry, but I, I just go there, um, right? and come out of it okay. But someone else can be just looked at funny and be fucked up for life. It's the meaning that we place on top of each circumstance is what actually, you know, what we need to uh, you know, really consider here. There's some people that go through absolute shit and they come out all right. And there's other people that that get a tiny knock and, uh, oh, the, you know, the world's against me. That's all in the eye of the beholder. And I think, I think the missing piece is, is that education, getting around the right people, you know, um, getting that, you know, uh, and unsubscribing and saying no to the things that actually, you know, come into your field of vision. For instance, if you, oh, you can do this with any client and you go, all right, where's, I'll do it with you, Jack, where's a gap in your life? You know, where's where's an area of your life that need you you think you need need to uh,
0: close on, need to be better in? Um, I think I could be, I think more twenty percent more productive. Okay, so
1: is productivity an area area of your life or not? Or is that just you can be more productive in health, wealth, lifestyle? You know, like give me an area, wealth, relationships, You know, health. Yeah, I'd uh, say well.
0: Yeah, so I'd say, I'd say business-wise, right, I business. do a lot. But so I know I in terms more, of your
1: business, um, um, uh, what we're going to work out is, okay, so out of, out of 10, 10 being, you know, your, your, the best version of that for yourself, where, you, where are you at on that 1 to 10
0: scale? As far as index to today, how well do you think I'm going? How well do I think I'm going today? Or how well do you think it's going compared to where I want it to be in 20 years?
1: Actually, let's give it a one-year
0: goal. The 20-year one? 20 years is too much. Oh, a a one-year goal? I'd probably say... All right, cool. I'd probably say eight. Like, it's definitely not bad, but it's that little bit extra that uh, I... uh, uh, I don't want to hear it. You're an eight. Why am I doing this? Why am I wasting my time doing that? Now...
1: Uh, if you're an eight out of ten, all right. Who would be the best role model um, to give you that guidance to close that gap? If you could have lunch with them, you could sit down with them. If they, you know, if they could give you all the resources, you could be mentored by them. Who would that person be? One person. All of the resources. Who is who is a, a who? Who would you love to get advice from? That, that you know. Um, to close that gap?
0: Probably at the moment, I think the person that I would want and I'd need, I'd probably sit down with David Goggins. Cool. All right. Unsubscribe from everyone else.
1: Decrease the amount of information coming into you right now. All right. Only read his stuff And read it cover to cover, and do every exercise in there, and read and go through all his YouTube, um, subscribe to his stuff, buy his books, do his coaching program if he's even got one. Go to the camp, do what you know, do whatever you got to do to just get into into that into his world and his mindset, which is a pretty freaky mindset by the way. So um, so just do that for ninety days, and one season. One season can change your life. Just do that for ninety days. Just go full on. Do
0: everything that David says. People are going to hear me say this, and that's why it's good because this podcast is also accountability. Now, I'm going to try this. Mm. Do it because doesn't
1: it doesn't? But if you if you actually did everything from cover to cover in most of the books. You'd be you'd be rich. You'd be skinny. You'd be fit. You'd have the best loving relationships on earth if you just did everything. <laughs> if you actually just did everything from cover to cover, right?
0: Yeah, well, there's no, no shortage it of information. But it's a, not that we don't. Like shortage them. of it's just the application. That we is fall a, down.
1: There's a, there's too much information. That's the problem. We jump from thing to thing and expecting a different result. So I challenge you to to just in 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 doing this is is just. Uns- literally unsubscribe from all the shit that you do not need. That that serve that 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 is that is uh, directed towards this goal that you want. If you unsubscribe, doesn't it doesn't it even make you feel lighter? Doesn't it? Yeah. Look I, at your email list now. Like unsubscribe that... from all the shit that comes in your email box. Um, when I used to run my events I'd have this exercise where I actually went into people's phones you know I might have 50 60 people in my audience and I'd actually get them to delete people from their phones that that are not serving them anymore and they may be old contacts from years and years ago that have just stayed in there or or people that are I don't know that old relatives or or whatever I said well out of a scale of one to ten are they going to have a have a um, be in your life, you know, from here on. Are they the to- are they toxic people? Should you, you know, if they rang rang you up, would you actually, you know, sit down and have a coffee with them? No, 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 no. Would you have a beer with them? No, 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 no. All right, well, get rid of them. Get rid of them. So you'd have people like literally um, deleting, you know, hundreds of people from their phones, and then and then you, everyone at the end of that exercise is. Completely, so so much lot lighter. It's amazing the negative energy that, and the negative uh, effect that 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 we do carry around with us, that burden, the overinflammation, the too too many um, notifications, too many subscriptions. Um, you unburden yourself, and it helps you to zero in and focus on the things that and on the select group of people that are going to take you to the next level.
0: Mm. I just thought of a great analogy. Do you, do you have yep. Netflix? Ever been on Netflix and never been able to find something mm. you want to watch?
1: On there last night.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the, how, many, how many thousands of programs are there on Netflix? I don't, mm. I don't know the number, but mm. right? And we live in a society where people have got Amazon Prime, Stan, Netflix, Disney Plus whatever, and they'll sit on their TV Mm. and they'll scroll Mm. for 15 minutes trying to find something they want to watch. Yeah, We have access to everything but choosing one thing to focus on. That's the hardest
1: thing. Your attention, our attention, our attention is our most valuable commodity these days, our attention. Now, I stole that from Grant Cardone. Um, Our attention is our most valuable commodity these days. It's what we're paying attention to. So if you're a, if if you're a shit parent, well well zero in and focus and give attention to being a parent. If you if you're if you're lonely, if you you got relationship problems then that's the that's the project that you should be concentrating on on the, on the next 90 days. That's the gap. If it's business, well the same goes. Give it a 90-day stretch. Not a year, not twenty years. That's that's you can't you
0: can't measure twenty years. It's ridiculous. You can do anything Fuck for you. ninety days. What's your favourite failure?
1: Um, my favourite failure is uh, my first business. I see that as a well. It was a success and a failure, but uh, it it. Uh, I made ego-based decisions, um, which I seriously have learnt from, and now it's all just logic, not emotional. Um, and and I'm very good at at, at uh, deciding who to let let in my life now. you know, to 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 be part of my world. You know, to to. Influence me and I can I reckon uh because I've had a lot of toxic people in my life you know and uh, led down the garden path in a lot of areas so um now I, you know I can I've got I think I've built the muscle to be able to kind of shut that down
0: sooner rather than later mm. I think it's very it's very very interesting um You've brought up ego probably three or four times while we've been speaking. Is that something that you have felt like you've had no, to do I did a lot, do work a lot on? of work on? <laughs> I didn't felt like it. I, I you did. did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you identifying?
1: <laughs> gotta mind your language there because it's. you uh, no, I'm. I'm very black and white. Um, one thing NLP teaches us is to do exactly that. Is um, just whatever you're saying is the window. Is the window to your unconscious. Um. So yeah, I've done a lot of work around that. That might and it might come up. Do you I think want, that might even come off as egotistical? But I'm just like, I just I just speak very very bluntly these days. There's no not a lot of fat.
0: Why did you decide that was the best part? Cut through the
1: bullshit. Yeah, it
0: makes your life simpler.
1: Simpler. Everyone knows where I'm at fuck it we haven't got much time we haven't got much time left (laughs) i was saying i was well you know why 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 dance around the edges just get to the point
0: it rubs people up the wrong way sometimes though wouldn't it
1: Mm. not my problem
0: yeah how do how do you remedy that because i reckon that's probably something that a lot of people run into is that there's so much grey in the world and, and so many people live in the grey. And when you meet people that are black and white, I, I've been accused mm. of being too mm. black and white before, um, and it's confronting mm. for people. Well, there only, it's only confronting. Here's the thing. thing. Yeah. It's only confronting
1: to people because they're, they're projecting their own insecurities. They wish they could be like that. Because they're indecisive, they're mixed up, they don't, you know, maybe not, haven't got their goals in place or they, they haven't maybe got the awareness of, about how um, how they're interacting out there in the world. So those that have their goals in place, those that are, that are acutely aware of the time, you know, the, the, the time that they don't want to waste um, are a little bit more blunt, actually a lot more blunt. And that might come off as, as the wrong thing to some people, and uh, but I can be guaranteed that those people, those people who, who get put off by it are, are just insecure about going that going going that route themselves, or are not confident to. So that's
0: a. By by the way, this is a muscle that you have got to build. How do you balance the? Um, how do you balance clear and concise delivery of speech? with kindness oh, all the time you've got to be um
1: it, it's emotional no it's emotional because intelligence. I feel like you're- that's what emotional intelligence is all about yeah. is 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 being a good person first um using empathy and compassion so if you're going to say something if you're going to say something you'll come across as a complete wanker if you just like you know you know you're just you yeah, do this, do that, and you're really, really black and white and you're, and you're not considering the other person's feelings, you know. So it's um, to communicate, uh, we're talking about some big things here, mate, it's good, um, but to communicate, you, yeah. you, you know, a message properly, um, you definitely have to factor in where that receiver's mindset or where that, receive, that, that receiver's model of the world in order to get a point across.
0: Otherwise, it'll just come across as really bombastic. Do you have any strategies that you use to help other people improve their emotional intelligence through whether it's NLP or Sounds positive Sounds like a psychology? very personal
1: question, mate. Um,
0: <laughs> don't be a dickhead. You know,
1: just consider other people's feelings. No, just respect. Respect um, and accept that people... and. And ex- accept people where where they're at, you know. Like like you don't know them. And and I think that's that's the I don't know, I
0: don't know what, what other way to explain it, but it's like it's also, it's being open minded almost. Like you just enter there, and and don't assume. Have any assumptions oh fuck, dude, we all just, assume. Like yeah. like
1: you, you talked about that fucking feminism thing that you what whatever it was. Whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, forgotten it already. But the point is, people are going to hate on me for that. I don't care. But it it, it's respecting another person's model of the world, um, is where it's at. And and listening, active listening, not just trying to get your agenda across. Everyone's hating on Trump, right? I get that, right? And, And but Trump, you know, look at where Trump come from. Uh, his old man was a prick. Um, he grew up with some serious money. He's never known anything but the ivory tower. Um, he's been around business his whole life. Um, he's never had to really rough it. The, the guy, and, and the guy's always got his own way, and he's talked to, He's one of the greatest salesmen in the world. So he's, this is the model. That's his world. So his whole character is built around that. He doesn't know any different. Mm. And people can't even – like, people go, oh, why is he – why Why does he come across this way? Why is it all me, 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 not we, we, we? It's because the guy doesn't know any different, you know? And, and it's like, well, he's – that's just how he's built, and he's too old and too pig headed to, to see it any other way, or to, he's too old to change old dog new tricks, kind of thing. So he's like, All right, fuck it. This is who I am. I'll make no apologies. <laughs> like it or love it, you know, yeah. uh, like, it, like it or leave it. And uh, it's probably not the best for politics because you really have to appreciate every other, every other, you know, uh, societal group. Yeah. You know what I mean, and that's why he's put everyone's nose out of joint. So, but you know, half of the country
0: likes him. Correct. It's pretty much the most divided, <laughs> the most divided they've ever been. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so, look to get
1: any, and that's why he's. A sh- but that's why you know, look at look at him compared to say Biden. You know, Biden considers everyone else. Look and and. and um, and he, and he factors in compassion. He's, he's so much more emotionally aware of other people rather than just himself, and you can see that as soon as he opens his mouth compared to Trump, mm. you know. And uh, and and that's you know th- that's why. That's why he's now president. Well, <laughs> supposedly president. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll see what happens in the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, see what happens. Um, but, uh, but, but everyone around America is like, look, they, they just voted on, they voted on him because of his communication style and he actually gives a shit about other people. He may not, but he's certainly using emotional intelligence in a way. And, and certainly with his communication, it's very inclusive. He's considered other people,
0: he's emotionally aware. Whereas Trump doesn't give a fuck. Do you think that people want a leader like that because it doesn't push them out of their comfort zone? Oh Jesus! Um, and that's, I guess, what I think a, we're going to talk about. Question, relig- I think
1: it? we're going to talk about religion after this, aren't we, mate? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's politics and religion. Um, but no, I, I, um, to get anywhere, you've got to be you, you, to to. To create change, you need to disrupt mm. the current state of play, right? And that's why I think being Double a public speaker, label. yeah, yeah, but but no, it's it's you can disrupt in a like I said a bombastic way, or you can mm. disrupt in a in a in another way, and that's leadership. There's different styles of leadership. Um, the two examples in American politics right now are two different styles of leadership. Um, there can be, uh, you know, a number of different ways to do it, but um, yeah, I, I, and, and communicating that leadership is a whole other skill. How you instruct, but you, you, sorry, you've got to disrupt, no matter who you are. Like to move the, um, you know, move the world and, and grow people, you've got to disrupt their model of the world. Um, and that can come if you communicate that wrongly, that can come come across in, the, in a really negative way. Versus, you can do it. You can do it very inspirationally, and it comes across amazing, and people just follow. It's like, yep, you understand my model, of You're 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 you're. We're, we're beating to the same drum here. Or the other opposing argument is, uh, you're just an idiot and uh, you don't know my situation.
0: It's a very way, a very good way of putting the political divide at the moment, isn't it? That's mm. pretty much how people I've never feel. voiced it, but, yeah, never <laughs> voiced it. That's just me me no. speaking my thoughts, <laughs> mate. No, I think it's a great way of putting it. I think that's, that's pretty much the way that we divide now over a lot of things in society. Be, people uh, present an idea and people are, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I don't mind that. But then the other side of the coin is it's not... This reasonable being like okay cool that works for you but it's not for me it's almost this extreme reaction of no no that guy that guy's completely nuts he's out of his mind they could be saying Um, the same
1: they could be saying exactly the same idea right so Trump and Biden might be able to say you know that that, but how it's communicated that's why and that's what NLP teaches us it's it's neuro linguistic it's how it's said. Is you know is the determinant of its um, of its power, and you want to make sure that when you're leading a company, when you're leading a family, your your language and how you're communicating your ideas is so important. Um, these guys could be saying the same, you know, saying basically the same thing, but but said in a different way,
0: and one is more popular than the other right now. Do you think these skill sets around communication things like that are something that probably could be taught more widely or should be taught more widely?
1: Uh, Take the word probably out of it and say, uh, yes, they need to be taught from a young age, as does entrepreneurial skills,
0: as does sales skills and, and public speaking skills, if you ask me. Is that part of you expanding your coaching as well? How you were saying you want more, you want more coaches, so you can start taking these messages, NLP things like that, to a, a wider and wider audience.
1: No, no, you know, first of all, and this is, comes back to that emotional intelligence. First of all, what we look for in our in our coaches um, is uh, is they've got to have a heart for helping others first, because you can't teach compassion. It's pretty hard to teach compassion. Um, and then we can teach them communication of that passion. On top of that, that's that's the easy part, and getting them out of their own way in terms of shyness, maybe or public speaking skills, we can teach
0: those skills. But we you can't teach personality and passion. It's mm. so almost the skill set's teachable, but the mindset, um, the mindsets, the mm. thing they have to come with.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we just give them a, you know a business framework to 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 play in. Um, and uh, give them all the stuff that they'd probably, that they'd have to you know, spend one to three years developing themselves. So we just give them a whole library full of this ready-made stuff that's proven, case studies done, and uh, off you go. Hit the ground running a month later and you start making money, doing what you want to do.
0: If you, if you had a billboard, downtown LA, wherever it is in the world, you've got thousands of eyes on it every single day. Yeah. What's the message that you'd plaster on it? Um, for a month or however long you had the billboard for, what's what's the one message you'd put up there that you think's, you know, either something that you sort of live your life by or is something that's really important? I've heard this on the card. Tim
1: Ferriss podcast, mate. Come on,
0: it is a Tim Ferriss come question. On, come
1: on, I created my own uh, my own question like this on my podcast. Was uh, imagine there's a, uh, and I'll get to the answer because uh, uh, I'm more of a, a speaker. I said, imagine, imagine there's a big stadium full of people, right? And there's a stage and a big booming microphone at the, at, at the front of the stage there. And you've got the opportunity to speak. What would you like to say? And who would you choose to be in the audience? Ooh, how about that question? Don't take that question. That question's mine. <laughs> I think it's
0: a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, well, what's the best answer you've had to that question?
1: Oh, God, there's been... There's been um, there's been some interesting ones. It depends on who I'm talking to, mm. you know. I had um, it's uh, the founders, they're friends of mine, uh, founders of Mind Medicine Australia on my podcast not too long ago. Um, and 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 they're you know they're they're into you know doing studies like Tim Ferriss is right now that they're spearheading it. Uh, uh Mind Medicine like psilocybin, um, you know. All the things you find in um, magic mushrooms, ecstasy, you know, MDT, and all that sort of stuff, and, and more importantly, its its effect on its fe- effect on depression, uh, you know, PTSD, and all that sort of thing. There's real empirical research that's happening right now, and they're spearhead- spearheading it in Australia, and I think and some very very smart people involved too. Like, oh my god, it was such a fascinating discussion. And these are these are these are two two people. Um, you know, in their fifties, and they did ayahuasca for the first time in their fifties, and uh, and had an amazing experience, and then and then really got into it. Um, the uh, and I think they their and this is more recent. I've had some amazing ones. Um, and they said just uh, uh, be open, be open to new science forget the old paradigm or something like really full on deep and spiritual. <laughs> I'm, I'm butchering it right mm. now, but it um, it was like, you know, stop believing what you believe and be open to a new thought process, even if you're old or something like that. Uh, and it was just it, it was like, whoa, I had to take a, take a minute to take it all in. Um, I remember John Yo, who's the curator of TEDx Melbourne who put me on his stage and uh, I interviewed him a year earlier before jumping on his stage and he said, everyone has a TEDx talk in them. He said, everyone has got an idea worth spreading. Just give yourself permission to let it out.
0: Something like that. And it was really cool. Mm. I think that a lot of people... I guess you used the phrase before about getting people out of their own way. Yeah. That's there's everyone's everyone's story it. everyone's got if something they want to, it. to tell and often they're just the person they're the one blocking. It. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's um normally yeah normally that uh yeah they're blocking it in some form or another because of whatever reason. It's 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 good playing with those reasons though. As a coach it's good to uncover that. Now I've been a coach speaker for ten years, mate, and I um and it's really cool. It's really really rewarding when when the lights go on. So to you know, metaphorically speaking, when the lights go on and that awareness shifts um, from you know looking inward to to now looking outward and looking at their life in a more of a helicopter perspective, and uh, and that's really cool. They become you know or grow into a. a you know, the person and the the potential that that has lied has been lying within them for years and years and years and they can see with unlimited vision now that's really cool
0: now i'm going to drop all of the links to everything we've spoken about during the podcast today so um Jesus. your TEDx talk we're going to drop that in there um what else have we touched on? Oh, we mind? spoke about oh, the US tricks. election. You want to chuck all that in there too? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely include some links to the psilocybin research um, and, yeah. and MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for people yeah, that, that's that there might be someone, you know, there might be someone that's listening to this that loves the mindset stuff. Hmm. Um, that we've sort of spoken about. And if that's you, I highly encourage getting out there and and exploring that world of self improvement and development and learning. Um, But for the people out there that might be struggling a little bit more um, and, you know, have tried some of the things clinically and they haven't worked um, there is ongoing trials with use of MDMA and assisted psychotherapy. So you take a a clinical dose of MDMA and you sit with a, um, a, a psychiatrist and you work through things and, the, the studies are incredible for PTSD. Yeah. I know psilocybin's is having um, similar effects with, um, with depression and things like that. So I'll include some of that that stuff. I know Tim Ferriss is, is doing some work with John Hopkins at the moment and some other great um, medical studies bet, across Better yet, mate.
1: Go and do it yourself. See what happens. <laughs> it's, it's pretty out there stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that um, it's such a powerful, uh, evidently yeah. it's becoming a powerful tool because we're seeing it in, in, the clinical, yeah. um, in, in the clinical trials, but making sure that people have the right mm. right people there sitting next to them to guide them through because I reckon that some of these ayahuasca experiences and, and things like that might, uh, might shatter people's realities and then you actually need someone maybe to help you piece things <laughs> back together. You do. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> full-on stuff. When you do it, when you do it in so, the right, right environment, yeah. But I, th- yeah, I think like a, a great place to start is to look into some of the research. So I'll include some of that stuff as well. Um, obviously, I'll go back and comb through and see if there's anything we mentioned in here um, that <laughs> that needs to be linked <laughs> to. Um, if people want to engage with you, Trav, yeah. um, as far as your programs, or maybe they've Considering becoming a coach, things like that. Where's the best place to find you and, and find all of your content? Yeah,
1: look, I'm. Uh, thanks, mate. It's been a really uh, 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 an all encompassing chat. This one. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the opportunity. I've spoken about some stuff I've never spoken about before, and I might, I might never speak about again. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> But at the end of the day, know, people can check me out at uh, thebucketlistguy.com if they want to become a – you know, suss out how to, how to become a bucket list coach. Um, we run webinars every week and uh, we do a bit of a show and tell on there and then you can decide from there. But that's at bucketlistcoach.com forward slash webinars. Or I probably do my best work on uh, Instagram these days as uh, the uh, – sorry, what is it? Bucketlistguy.travebell.com. If you put in Bucket this guy somewhere, you'll probably find me. There
0: you go. Beautiful. I'll link to all those as well for everyone. It's been so great chatting, Trav. I'm glad that we've got some original content out of you as well, <laughs> yeah. some things that no one else will ever hear again. Yeah, yeah. I
1: am um, normally doing my stock standard answers, mate, but, I, you know, I, very rarely, very, very, very rarely do I talk about some of the stuff that we've just talked about. So uh,
0: thanks for the conversation, buddy. That's right. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'll speak soon. Thank you for tuning in to Radio by Jack Roberts. We look forward to bringing you another episode next Monday at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Until then, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you'd like to keep up to date with radio, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Radio by Jack Roberts. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Jack Roberts 8 or just type in Jack Roberts on LinkedIn.